Hello and welcome to Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. And today we're going to be discussing the 2019 film, The Irishman. This will contain spoilers. Okay, so this is quite a long film, being three and a half hours, and we usually encourage people to watch the film before the episode, so here we're just going to give a few tips on some ways to watch it. So if you want to watch it as Scorsese intended, so that he doesn't come around to your house and, you know, beat you or paint your house, for instance, um, then some recommendations for watching a long film... Uh, watch it in the morning is usually best. I know that kind of sounds weird, but I have watched... I Over the summer holidays, I was watching loads of films in the morning, and it was great because you get up fairly early. Well, for this film, get up at like 8, right? You get ready, you brush teeth, you have breakfast, and then you put this film on at 9 o'clock, and it finishes at half 12, and then you get to have lunch, and you've got like the whole day ahead of you, basically. And then that three and a half hours doesn't feel like much at all uh it's probably best to also like not have your phone on you because otherwise you will just be messing with it all the time so yeah basically you just don't have your phone watch it in the morning and you'll still have loads of the day ahead of you uh and that's the best way to watch it that being said <laughs> we didn't, <laughs> we do didn't that. do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> we didn't have time we're there, busy there's there was there's another way that you can do um where you can break it into segments and sort of watch it as a little mini series <gasps> which i know is absolute blasphemy and you should never consider doing such a thing but i'm sorry we 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 ask for forgiveness that's exactly what we did <laughs> we we just found um some basically an image with some timestamps on it and it broke it down into four sort of 40 minutes to an hour segments. Um, and it, that, that was a lot more. It felt better, especially if you've got a lot of other stuff going on at the same time. You don't have the time to sit down and watch it three hours, uh, three and a half hours, sorry, straight. Um, so, yeah, that's a good thing. Maybe just try checking online there'll probably be someone who's broken it down into at least like yeah, two different films different, there's loads of different uh breakdowns of when to pause it and stuff so it's difficult to motivate yourself when you're not in the cinema to watch like a whole film in one sitting especially if it's this length but i definitely think yeah the way the uh mini series structure that we found like the four episodes all had very distinct tones and they're because the film was pretty much like a capture of uh like three men's lives and they're all sort of distinct moments in their life so i think they definitely the way it was broken down it did feel like watching a show yeah i yeah. feel like scorsese probably should have done it as a mini series just because yeah it is quite sprawling, and there's like loads of different points, but I can see it working. I mean, I I've sat down for long films before, like you know the Godfather trilogy or Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and obviously Lord of the Rings. But three and a half hours, although I did say I watched Lord of the Rings, but it, it is pushing it a bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think just to be clear, so the timestamps that we used, um, episode one, uh, is. So the introduction, it's called Here, I Heard You Paint Houses. It's a uh, start from to about 49 minutes when Jimmy Hoffa ends the call, and that seems about right, because that's sort of after his character's introduced, um, and the mm. next episode is, well, is entitled Here, Hoffa. Um, and that's 
another at like 50 minutes to one hour 40 minutes when joey the blonde is introduced uh mm. and then third one's what kind of fish that's one hour 40 minutes to two hour 47 two hours 47 minutes um 30 seconds um which is when frank exits the house brackets you'll know when and yes you it's will. very clear you definitely will know when um and episode four is is it, it it is what it is and that's just from two hours 47 minutes to the end well, that um, was the shortest one right yeah yeah the and the third was the longest one okay we're yeah. gonna go to spoiler territory now so we're gonna assume you've watched it yeah uh we are what what do you think Okay, so I'm I'm gonna go out and say the third episode as we watched it. So the third quarter was mm-hmm. definitely the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or at least the most engaging. Just the the, the middle the two kind of ramping me. up. Yeah, the the mid two. I kind of liked. Well, yeah, the mid two felt like they could have been their own film. That the my problems with it is comes where it probably could have trimmed a lot of the first bit out, and yeah. Also, that they could have trimmed off the last bit, but I actually really enjoyed the last, uh, like, 40, 50 minutes, but we'll talk yeah. about that later. Um, but in terms of, you know, what I'm expecting from Scorsese, so I've seen, uh, like, Scorsese films, I've seen uh, Mean Streets, Goodfellas, uh, and Shutter Island. I may have seen some more, but I'm not sure. And that third part of the ramping up of tension of Hoffa just kind of getting into a worse and worse situation and then eventually ending in definite spoilers now uh frank shooting him bearing mind like he's his friend that is what to me felt like scorsese's thing because you know shutter island has a load of like paranoia and you're not sure what's going to happen and goodfellas uh towards the end has this like really big build-up of loads of things happening and it's uh, just the tension constantly building and stressful. So that was where I felt like Scorsese really shined. I mean, yeah. he didn't write it, but the direction was good in making it feel impactful. I think the, that third, the end of the third episode, some directors would have probably left the film off there with like that big climax, maybe like an additional 10 minutes at the end or something, just to, well, I don't know. It could have left on that sort of cliffhanger, but because it was more of a depiction of the effects that organised crime and all these events have on one man's life, the, I think the last uh, episode, as we watched it, was provided like quite an intimate conclusion, and it sort of yeah. it sort of looked at the deterioration of the well, sort of the health of. Uh, the protagonist, but also all the people surrounding him. Ironically, I actually thought the last part was rushed. I, yeah, yeah, I, I felt, felt that as, as well. The last part could be its own either short film or film in itself as an exploration of an aging gangster, just kind of seeing you know, them all in prison getting old together. I mean, being old in prison, that must be a pretty weird experience, and they're just playing like botcher or uh, whatever it's called and you know struggling to eat and it's quite a depressing look at that and then you get to find out so much about uh, Frank at the end like the, the thing that really hit her with me was like his fear of finality which was quite ironic seeing as you know he spent his life murdering loads and loads of people I mean we you never find out how many and then you find out that he's scared of finality so he, he doesn't want to be cremated because it's too final he wants to be buried and there's that yeah. like heartbreaking final scene where the priest leaves and he's like, don't shut the door, leave it open a bit. And that shot as it just kind of zooms out with the door slightly ajar so you can still see Frank and then the film ends. Yeah. Um, yeah. That just really struck a chord with me. I don't know. I really liked his fear of aging and finality. And that was such an interesting theme to explore, but in the three and a half hours didn't have a chance to explore somehow yeah well i think the the thing about like inevitability of of being killed in this system and finality to say was something that was hinted though throughout because there's quite a lot of shots where it would show supporting characters and then just sort of 
freeze for a few seconds and then the yeah. tech would pop up like shot in the head three times yeah. <laughs> um yeah. but something i felt weird was quite weird and a bit unresolved throughout the film uh it sort of told with him narrating it as a really old man and this it sort of it sort of ignored in certain sections like at some points, this features it quite a lot, but at some points, it's pretty much all just flashbacks and you sort of forget about that. And it's never explicitly revealed who he was talking to, but a lot of people say it was the the author of the book that this film's based on, which is called I Heard You Paint Houses. Yeah. Mm. I've also that heard makes... a theory that it's his confession to God, um, sort of getting all of this off his chest, because you never see who he's talking to so yeah. yeah that's that's interesting because it it also kind of ties in with the theme finality of him not the police come round to him when he's like really old and literally everyone in the mob is dead and he still refuses to tell them what happened to jimmy hoffa and that's kind yeah. of like uh, you you don't really know why he's doing it is it this kind of fear of finality thing that he doesn't want to feel like everything's over because I mean he tells them to call his lawyer and they're like uh, he's dead <laughs> yeah and it's just I, I mean, find that's, that's cool mm-hmm. yeah I mean as you said I the whole film is sort of just progressing throughout his life and as you said it was sort of the last quarter I felt too was very it it wasn't like rushed in terms of time but like the story progressed really quickly because i don't think i was paying like a hundred percent attention because i was quite tired um but it just seemed to me that in like one one minute everyone's alive everyone's fine the next uh all of the other characters have got these terminal illnesses and frank's in a really really bad shape and then just everyone dies and he's on his own which like i i love the concept of and i loved what execution there was on screen i think i just felt it was like too much too quickly uh they could have like yeah. built up a bit up maybe and because for I don't me it was slightly rushed oh god uh, I was just going to say, like, a lot of the most poignant scenes are in the last, what was it, like, half an hour? And, like, those, obviously, there's the scenes where he's thinking about his death and whether he wants to be cremated and choosing his coffin. But then there's also that scene where he's confronted by his daughter and then they sort of say, yeah. Oh, yeah. You never showed us any attention. We were always, you always prioritize the, uh, your job. And that's something that wasn't too prominent in the film, I'd say, because of the perspective always being on him. You never really got to see the effects it had on his family. You did to an extent, but I think that confrontation was very impactful. But as you say, it is sort of rushed over in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, you see... Four hours, but... (laughs) You see a lot of him and Peggy... Uh, his one of his daughters, and then yeah. it was like at one point in the film, I was like, "Wait, he has three more daughters." When <laughs> when was yeah. this established? That was kind of randomly happened. Um, yeah, maybe they could have thought about that more. Maybe it's on purpose to kind of show he didn't really, I don't know, care about them. <laughs> uh, it's... well, I think a few times. Um, well, I believe this is actually the only Scorsese film I've seen, I think. Uh, which is right. a bit weird because it's very it's very much like an end of an era with all these high profile actors and yeah, uh, Scorsese and all that. Uh, but obviously this is actually based on real events and sometimes maybe they wanted to have that authentic feel to it. So they had to sort of include these things that they didn't really have time to explain in the film. But at the same time, I've seen Scott that Scorsese said the point isn't how accurate is it; it's to 
look at this depiction and look at his version of it rather than comparing it to what actually happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Hugo? <laughs> That's like randomly a Scorsese film. You might not have realised it was. That was but... a Scorsese film? Uh... Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I think so. <laughs> There's like a few random ones that aren't just gangster films. Like I, I've seen Shutter Island and he directed Wolf of Wall Street. Kate Fears, Hugo, that pretty good. Film about the the clock. Yes. Yeah, in the train yeah, station. I've seen that. Yeah. Oh, I, did, I need to see Taxi oh, Driver well, I and stuff. I've seen Hugo. Yeah, I've seen that <laughs> in After Hours, which is a completely different film again. Like, I think. Is that what you honest, didn't you recommend it one time? I did. Yeah. Like the first episode back. Wasn't it? No, it was like third or fourth, but like, it yeah, it was. It's kind of weird because this is like the first Scorsese film I've seen that's like his style that he's known for. So uh... yeah. Um, this I'd say the pacing of this doesn't really feel like any of Scorsese's other gangster films that I've seen. Well, I've only seen two of his gangster films. I've not seen Casino. It feels a lot more kind of like The Godfather in a way, or Godfather Part 2 maybe is more specific because that has a load of flashbacks in, uh, and also yeah. Robert De Niro, uh, but and Al Pacino. <laughs> um, so it's right. kind of mo- it a more to... slow-paced exploration rather than his style like in Goodfellas, which is really dynamic, bombastic violence and drama and conflict and stuff. Yeah. like The, the scenes where blowing up cars and stuff, there wasn't actually that much action per se, I'd say, in it, which is... It, yeah, uh, it was only a few clips of like, you know, 10 seconds of Frank walking up to to someone and then shooting them three times in the head and then walking off but yeah. when it happened it was like oof, you know yeah very yeah. but i think a lot of those were reminiscent of like the godfather because there's the the thing where he's on about going to the bathroom before you have a shooting which is in the godfather it is i was thinking like what, what is cars. that from i was like what's yeah. that from and it, yeah so he goes to the bathroom to, before they shoot yeah it's michael <laughs> nice um, I feel like we need to talk about the elephant in the room, the de-aging CGI. Yeah, yeah. No, now, when I first saw it, I was like, <laughs> "Who are these rubbery <laughs> men? They look gross. Why is his eye color changing every shot, <laughs> from like purple to bright blue to like pale, really pale blue?" But then luckily they don't they don't try to make him look thirty anymore, and as as they're de-aged less, it starts to look better. And just one thing I wonder is, I mean, yes, it is Robert De Niro, and uh, I don't know who else is it de-aged it. Joe Pesci is, I guess. Um, but did they really? Couldn't they just get younger actors and seen how it worked? Because that's what they do in The Godfather, you know, Robert De Niro plays young Vito yeah, and all of that stuff. I just, I don't know if they could do that. Don't get me wrong, like, the performances were amazing in this, which we'll probably talk about a bit later. But, because it's not, you know, I mean, it looks pretty good for what we've got. It looks better than, like, Grand Moff Tarkin or whatever in Rogue One. Is it Rogue One? Yeah. 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 Um, Something that I found quite weird it was actually something that they addressed in. I don't know if you two watched it, but there was like this um thing on Netflix. I think it's called The Irishman in Conversation. It's like a twenty-minute thing with the uh, the three main actors and Scorsese just discussing random stuff. But um, yeah. in that, they talk about something which I noticed. It wasn't necessarily the look of the actors when they were de-aged but it was more like the mannerisms and yeah i was going to talk about that and stood up yeah it was was a bit the most obvious the most obvious example of that is when frank finds out peggy was i think like bumped into or something by a shop owner i can't remember he might have actually hit her i think or shouted at her i can't remember but it we you know he goes up and he's supposed to kind of like beat him up but he stood there with kind of like chicken arms and kicking oh, yeah. really awkwardly, and it's like 
Yeah. Couldn't you? But there's like huge like, actor smacking <laughs> sound effects, and it just yeah. felt not really realistic. <laughs> it was just the one that they say in the Netflix thing is that it's just like a really insignificant scene, but it's just where Al Pacino's literally standing up from the chair, and the oh. first few times he did it. They were like, you, you're you supposed to be 48 or whatever, and you look like a 70-year-old man. I mean, he is. <laughs> yeah. <man. laughs> so it would be difficult because it would be even more difficult because they're having to play them at different ages and different stages through their life, so they have to keep on changing that. And... Yeah. I mean, Joe Pesci as old Russell was actually amazing. I felt so, like terrible he just seemed i mean he was still saying awful things about how like hoffer definitely deserved to die it was him or us but just the way that he was old was kind of like really you know his, his shaking hand and yeah so then basically when they were old it was great <laughs> oh man Al yeah Gino's 80 um <laughs> wow no more say hello to my little friend or any of that stuff i guess but it's just they could. I know it was it was these actors' last hurrah, and all that those things. But I mean, I know Scorsese really likes Leonardo DiCaprio as a lead, and you know he's a great actor. Or even just looked for newcomers. I mean, I was actually the casting apart from the main three, though, when they were younger. I thought they were great when they were older. I mean, even Robert De Niro when he was Frank you know from about 50 age 50 onwards you could excuse the mannerisms and it, and it was great um yeah but so really interesting i mean jesse plemons i always want to see more jesse plemons he played uh chucky the who was i was surprised to see him yeah. actually because that's all he, he did really he's popping up all over the place now yeah because the yeah, last episode great. we recorded chronologically was uh, I'm thinking of ending things, and so when he just popped up on screen, I was like, "Oh, yeah. Tim, what?" Yeah, uh, he's in yeah. Breaking Bad and all that, all that stuff. Oh, okay. And also, someone I was I was surprised to see, but very glad was uh, Stephen Graham as Tony Pro, who is from Liverpool. I don't I don't know if you'd know that from his performance, but he is definitely. A scouser, I can tell you that. If he's been in a scousese, uh, joke, <laughs> not a scousese. He's been in an ep- uh, a series of Line of Duty as uh, one of the criminals, and his big role. He was like in This Is England, the film, which is supposed to be really good. Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, uh, Snatch. He's been in. He has actually been in quite a lot of things. Oh, he was in Line of Duty series five, but uh, he is he is a really good actor. But I didn't think I'd see him much because obviously because of his Liverpool accent. But I guess he managed to pull off the American accent pretty well. I mean, there were a few words that I noticed, but I think it's only because I knew he was from Liverpool that I realised that they sound a bit off. Yeah, yeah. But it was good to see him. Rather, well, I think he's great. Cast. I'm yeah, just realizing now, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people, <laughs> and uh, there weren't any like dodgy performances. I thought they're all great. Harvey Keitel, <laughs> sure. Let's just have. They're just throwing him all the gangster people randomly. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Scorsese's like, oh yeah, Harvey Keitel. He Keitel. He was in Mean Streets. He's got to go in. Joe Pesci's return. I've already talked about him, but he's so good in Goodfellas. He's nothing like it in this or Home Alone. Like, he's really violent and aggressive, and he's great. Um, but a lot of good choices that uh, I can't remember all of right now. <laughs> or or it's people that you may not know the name of, but you'll go, oh yeah, I, I swear I know him from somewhere. Yeah. The main, the main cast are all apart from when they're trying to be young, are all really good. I mean, Al Pacino is always great as the person that disagrees with everyone and is kind of like a lone wolf looking out for himself, but also has a really believable bond with Frank. 
how yeah. he likes him, which makes uh, his murder from Frank all the more kind of shocking and disheartening. Yeah. Like, he just like, turns around, bam, bam. There's that scene where he's shouting at everyone in his office, and then Frank starts to walk out. He's like, "Oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't at you." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's and also his like bonds with uh, the daughter Peggy was Peggy. like. Yeah. I mean, my my first instinct was like, "That's a bit creepy" because he's an old man. But like, uh, he seemed to like genuinely have like a connection with her. And when he was like talking to Frank, uh. Was that like the bowling alley or something? Uh, yeah. He was just like, hang on to your family. You've got a good thing here. Call her over, talk to her. You know, I can understand her being scared of Wait, me, was but that she Russell? shouldn't be scared of you. <laughs> that was Russell. Was that? Oh, okay, Not, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Not Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, Peggy I actually guess... liked Hopper, but yeah. Russell liked Peggy, but it wasn't reciprocated. <laughs> Peggy's just such a, a central character. Obviously. I mean, I mean, like I was joking, but like to be fair, she does like tie in, like a, a sort of grounds, uh, Hoffer, I guess. Um, and yeah. then later in the film, like when you can obviously see Frank regretting that he hadn't spent time with her. Yeah. The. There is some great like attention to detail. Like I wrote this down. Um that in the background they had the twin towers in the backdrop. I was ooh. like, ooh, ooh, that's a cheeky thing that they've just uh put in. So they remembered that. And uh the shots I mean, there's so many great shots, but it's kind of old style, so you don't get any new wide shots or kind of symmetry that's come before and it but it's the classic gangster film so i had because i've seen like godfather and goodfellas and scarface and all that stuff i kind of got some nostalgia even though i've only seen them like a year ago (laughs) it was still like i was like oh this this feels good you know Um, the good old days before (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i mean it was it was good i really liked it uh so, I don't know. The, yeah, the it reminded me of really watching good. Godfather about two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Godfather Part 2? Not yet, no. Oh, I've got all three on DVD, so you can watch it. So do if I. You want. Nice. Um, so do I. But, yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to think what other shots there were. I mean, a lot of people being shot, those shots were good. <laughs> The, oh, yeah, I was going to say, like, the kind of montage at the start. Or, no, it's just a long shot, isn't it, through the um, care home that he's in. That looked really good. And I've mentioned the final shot is kind of important. Uh, so, yeah. there's, so there's a lot of, you know, really intentional cinematography that works really well. Well, this, uh, this isn't really about the cinematography, but something that I quite liked with uh, Robert De Niro's performance was um, the fact that as the film progressed, at the start he kind of looked out of his depth and he was, he wasn't really didn't really know entirely what was going on within the context of the organised crime but then as it started to move further through the film you could, that, you could like see that experience and that um how he knew what to do and he knew who to trust he knew because because at the heart of this film it's about loyalty and then betrayal and you could yeah you could sort of see this uh amalgamation of um his whole life in the latter periods of the film yeah Oh, so well, something else I noticed was it wasn't the film wasn't like 
it didn't not use music because there were quite a few sequences where it had like songs playing but it didn't so much use like a traditional score um which i thought was quite interesting because there'd be parts where like you'd sort of forget that like there was some music driven sequences and you'd kind of just realize oh there hasn't been any music for ages there isn't any background music and then there'll be this great one where oh, i can't remember what the song's called but um if you look in the credits there were like a load of songs used but there were barely any score used i don't know what did you think of that decision yeah it was mainly like in the uh flashback sort of sequences and that's a lot of the film was conversation driven and in those moments there wasn't a score but somehow it got away with not feeling dull or boring in those yeah. scenes um but then as you say with with the bits of action that were thrown in between these conversations or whatever the sort of the music took the back seat and you it was there but it wasn't like obnoxious or anything yeah in the still of the night that's it but it kept being playing played quite a few times throughout the film um yeah. and so i guess that sort of became its like theme even though like there there was some i only i only really like picked up on this in like the credits because when the credits were playing um in the still of the night was playing and then after that it got into this uh this i think it was harmonica driven uh music and i was like okay i think i've heard that once before but it just feels a bit weird and like not out of place but like just when you look back on the film after three and a half hours of watching it like you realize how much of it really was just dialogue and how I guess the action was just really condensed. Yeah. I mean, I actually quite liked the soundtrack. Are you talking about the soundtrack? Sorry, I just crashed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We were just saying that um, the soundtrack was great, but there was a noticeable decision to use like songs rather than a, a traditional score. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, there was a score, and I did like the score. The with the kind of like harmonica. I can't remember enough about it to give an opinion. Um, wait, is the harmonica thing we that is original, right? Yeah, I, it was. That, that was, was cool. Just right at the end of the um, credits, I remember. I think it played at the beginning. It, it as was well. a main. It was a recurring theme that yeah. throughout, and I I did like that. And there are some of the moments that you know I I think it's a good a decent soundtrack overall. Definitely, definitely serves its purpose. purpose. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> oh no! Crazy! <laughs> Mental. Radical. Um, that was weird. The best part is over here. There was like no delay as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe on the actual episode, yeah, but uh, it'd be a bit awkward if like I just said it five seconds after. It's like why are you just overreacting to you copying? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think. The, okay, there was one editing note I noticed. The editing overall was pretty good. I, you know, you managed to follow the jumping between time uh, periods and all that stuff. But the, there was just a noticeable awkward cut with like a really important scene of Frank on the phone call with um, Jim Hoffer's wife, Joe. That you know, it's really oh kind of an yeah, awful phone bit... call. But right at the start, there's a kind of quick jump cut, which I noticed. Well, I, that, I don't yeah. think you're supposed yeah. to notice it, but it felt. I didn't think. I off. didn't know if that was something to do with Netflix or like a buffering or something. You but... just went like Joe jump cut Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it it wasn't Netflix buggy out then. I did that was actually the edit. Okay, that was a bit weird i don't know why that they did that 
No. Like part of me is like, I'll forgive them because one really bad mistake in three and a half hours of film is like really not that bad. But then also the flip side of that is if there is only one noticeable awkward mistake in three and a half hours of film, it's going to be really noticeable. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was intentional. Maybe it was some creative vision that we don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> the best part yes. is it didn't even seem to serve any purpose like it wasn't I, I guess you could use a jump cut there to show like the passage of time like I don't know he's been on the phone for ages but it was right <laughs> at the start and it, there wasn't enough like time beforehand to like comfortably establish he was on the phone with Joe as I said well, it was just like Joe jump cut Joe <laughs> This is most likely a mistake. We don't need to. No, we need to go into detail. That is our style. Mm. I think the pacing overall is pretty good. I mean, we talked about bits that felt rushed, but I never felt bored. Yeah, yeah, which we were you would expect. When... Maybe it's because in an episodic way, but. You know, it it didn't drag, so I think, although it is three and a half hours, because, so one of the first things I said when I watched the first part, I was like, I messaged these two, and I was like, wow, I'm not bored, because <laughs> yeah. I was fully expecting to be but, like, oh no, three and a half hours, how am I going to get through this? That's really what well, everyone else... I've talked to said, they've been like, um, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to watch The Irishman, and they've been going, oh... The Irishman, three and a half hours, really, I, I, I can't watch that. But I think most people would really enjoy it. Um, would probably be more tempted to watch it if you didn't mention it was three and a half hours. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or if it was, if if it had been made as a mini series, then it would be more approachable. Oh, but yeah. And I bet many else... people would watch it all. At once that wouldn't have yeah, no. three and a half hour film. That's the thing. People are quite happy to binge shows, but no one wants to watch long films. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's but, weird. Um, yeah. But, but the thing is, I also felt that I didn't actually watch. I hadn't seen the uh, episodic breakdown when I watched the first bit. I think I watched like I watched slightly into episode two. Um, it didn't really spoil anything, but. It's quite weird thinking back. I was never bored at the start, but in retrospect, the first, the first section was my least favorite. In the yeah, that I know it's a lot of establishing stuff and exposition, yeah. but it it was just not a lot happened. And I, I mean, know. that was the one I watched when I said I wasn't bored. But I agree, not as much happened as later on because I actually watched. So. I mean, we had the four episode thing, but I watched like episode one. Then I watched episode two and three, which is actually I'm pretty sure it was over two hours. So that's yeah. basically a film it's in like itself. Film. And then I watched episode four, uh, which is just about forty minutes. And that's that was a really good way to do it for me because it felt like episode one is all introducing. You get it's used to rustle and whispers or whatever, and it's kind of his introduction into the gangster world. Then two and three. The middle of the film feels like the main film, like his relationship with Hoffa, building that up, and then the inevitable demise that, or the murder of Hoffa from Frank, and that's really impactful. And then the final episode is kind of like an epilogue. So yeah. that was quite an interesting I think, way to watch it. But I, I definitely think... watched two and three because I wasn't bored. I was like, well, I need to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, an argument could definitely be made that Hoffa is the protagonist of the middle of the film. Yeah. Although he's not in the first or fourth sections, um, it, it is very much focused around him. And obviously he goes to prison and then gets yeah. released. But the times when he's out of prison, it's very much uh, Sharon's reaction to what's going on with Hoffa. Whereas that's why perhaps if you watched it in one go, the uh, there might be some sort of tonal tone inconsistencies that are more apparent because um, it sort of flips between 
between different points in their life and inevitably that will lead to different pacing and stuff like that which you don't necessarily notice if you approach it as separate episodes yeah uh like one thing another thing i liked was it i was also worried that it was going to be quite pretentious because you yeah. know scorsese he has to have the actors from the old gangster films it has to be three and a half hours you know you you have to watch it all at once um but i mean like the dialogue it still had that like witty dialogue from the older gangster films you know some funny moments some the interesting family things they did have the obligatory italian gangster cooking uh but although that was only a small part of this uh it was joe pesci was making something in front of uh frank but you know it kind of still had that humor and it. it didn't feel all wrapped up in itself and had the impactful violence although not as much as like goodfellas or something but it was yeah i think it it was definitely enjoyable it it didn't feel pretentious at all it was just a with longer films i watch. always have a bit of a fear that they are going to be pretentious because a lot of the time in a way the directors sort of been selfish in that they assume you have this much free time uh which was sort of the case to less of an extent but with going into stalker which was obviously a whole mm. hour shorter than this and because that was quite an old film it, it didn't really it revolutionized quite a lot of the tropes that you see in films like that nowadays but obviously with a film like this it is very much in a way exploiting the um the fact that there's these high-profile actors, this high-profile yeah. director, and it's in a, a genre where a lot of the uh, films are acclaimed, you might think that it's sort of using that to its advantage and it people would not necessarily look at it uh, entirely fairly, which I think is... I mean, I know... I definitely enjoyed it a lot, and I can see why you'd rate it highly and I can see the I can see why a lot of people would say that it's very good or whatever but like a 94 meta score that okay that is yeah oh that's far too high I was gonna I forgot about this I wanted I did want to speak about the critic reviews are a bit I don't know I don't know what they were thinking like it is a really good film but so many of them rated it 100 when there's obvious flaws like the de-aging I mean the acting's good but the awkward kicking and you know some janky editing uh, and actually I think there was a few lines of dialogue that were a bit cheesy I can't remember what they were, what they oh. are right now but there were some that felt cliche do you remember any? <laughs> Not off the top of my head no but yeah. there were definitely well, worse I don't I don't think it should be that high, and to be honest, no. I'm going to say I don't, I don't think like The Godfather should be rated as high as it should as it is as well. But let's not <gasps> get into that, or I'm going to get killed. I think Good, Goodfellas is better than The Godfather. I'm saying it right <laughs> now. Get that's out! Why of Goodfe- that's why Goodfellas is on like my top I mean, films. I've never seen Godfather Goodfellas, isn't. but sure. I've never seen either, but like... and Joe Pesci. <laughs> And yeah, no, De Niro. It's, <laughs> they got it. I swear they took it off Netflix, which is annoying. I think it's may have been put back on recently. I don't know. Have a but look. It, I mean, The Irishman. It isn't a masterpiece. It seems like it's uh, using what a lot of people deem as masterpieces to its advantage in order to sort of force positive reactions. Yeah, yeah. I think a... obviously critics have embraced that, but quite a lot of the, um, the normal reviews not so much. Yeah, it's very derivative with a lot of these high-profile actors and a lot of the. I mean, they are good actors. Oh yeah, but... of course, obviously, but um, I think Could have used I don't think people for younger versions. Yeah, I don't think they were specifically chosen because they were good actors. I think it's because they were good actors who've also been in similar films. Um, yeah, and it obviously has quite a few tropes in it, which like which weren't bad, and I don't think any of the tropes were like 
even like negative at all it was just either neutral or done very well um but you'd be lying if you said that this was like new or revolutionary or you know or even like a hundred meta score you know? it's te i mean basically it's old-fashioned i would say yeah yeah it's and that's why they all those older shots it's very nostalgic the, um, yeah yeah exactly that's why that's the point in it really and i think that's why it's reviewed like this because it's nostalgic and yeah. a lot obviously that can lead to a biased take on films and yeah, it's just these like. odd things like it's got a higher meta score than goodfellas which i definitely don't agree with i, I just think i did enjoy it but was it revolutionary did it explore any uh, like really important or new themes. I mean, there was the thing of finality which I really liked, but I said that that was quite rushed. Um, so I don't agree with it being as high as it is, but I will probably. I mean, I'm going to give it a a really good rating, but just not ten out of ten. You know. Yeah. yeah. And on that note, I think we should start wrapping it up and sort of say what we should, what we personally think. Um, sure. Yeah, go, going Who's for 45 go minutes. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, go on then. So, I'm, I've obviously not, well, not obviously, but I've seen, I haven't seen as many of these, like, uh, gangster movies beforehand. So, whilst I could appreciate that this is derivative and everything, I've not really seen any of most of like the tropes and stuff so um i know this slightly goes against my previous point but anything that's like cheesy or whatever i'm gonna find less so so but it was a it was a solid film uh the pacing was good uh, apart from the last bit but that was more an issue with like writing than directing i think um I'm not sure I'd watch it again though. I think that's what's gonna put it quite relatively low. Um, I'm, I'm getting ready for like a really low rating now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'd say I enjoyed it more than Fear and Loathing, and it couldn't happen here, and more so than The Social Network. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go seven point three. That's on Ooh. par with Hollywood. Okay. Well, I think the thing you were saying about not being that familiar with the genre and stuff, which I also am not, um, I, that can work either way. It could either be like, oh, I've seen this trope used over and over again, and I'm fed up of it. But at the same time, the thing with like nostalgia, it, it could remind you of something, or it could be something that you you enjoy. So. Mm. I guess the fact that it it's re it repeats a lot of that, or, or not necessarily repeats, but just sort of uses it to its advantage. I think that could lead to negative or positive reviews. Yeah. Uh, are you gonna? Uh, I was. I'm rating for your rating. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, well, I think the main issue for me, it wasn't even like I'd have probably thought going into it that it would be length of time and how would you make it not feel boring uh but even the scenes where there's quite extended dialogue and conversations were engaging uh i think if i'd have watched it in one go not at the cinema but at home then maybe it would have dragged a bit but the main issue for me probably was like the the de-aging not not technically how well it was done just the just the limitations that that puts on the acting and mm. the fact that it just didn't feel as you couldn't feel as empathetic towards the characters because they, there was something just a bit off with them. But I'm probably going to go higher than seven point three. Um, I'm going to put it at seven point eight. Ooh. 
So that's uh, how I restore. Cool. Uh, so I I did really like it, and I thought that for how long it was, the pacing was good. But there were some things that I wished were explored more, which is talked about, and also like I just remembered that it's kind of re- done really just. I don't know. It's done in passing, but it says like they shoot Sally Bugs for going into the courthouse. Then they find out later that he'd actually told someone that he needed to go into the courthouse for uh, like some of his own personal thing, and he wasn't ratting on any of them. And you know, it could have explored kind of shooting innocent people and the effects on their families more than it did. And but uh, I mean, other than that, it was really good. And I'm gonna end up going in between. Ben and Ollie, and I'm going to go with I think a 7.6 which although that, the although cop? I probably liked No Country for Old Men more, I'm pretty sure I rated it the highest out, out of you two, so uh, yeah, I did, yeah, so that makes sense 7.6, cool, because I gave No Country for Old Men 7.7 <laughs> Groovy, so 7.57 or just sort of close to 7.6 is sort Groovy. of just below the interview and above No Country for Old Man. Seems about right. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Definitely not a 94 meta score. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Yeah. D- Shall we now move on to recommendations? Yeah. Sure. I have a recommendation. Oh, well. I do. Ooh. I don't. Oh, I- I'm going to go first. Oh. <laughs> so... We we had a, a little cheeky rant before about <laughs> watching independent films, so I thought I'd recommend an independent film, if that's okay with everyone. <laughs> no. No. Uh, no. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so this is like a, a, a small indie British film, which has a tiny budget, and it makes me question how they paid for their actors. <laughs> Uh, I think the Operation budget is like mafia money. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's it's called in the UK. It's called Kajaki. Actors didn't get paid. Yeah, they may not have been. <laughs> in in the UK, it's called Kajaki, and in the US, it's called Kilo Two Bravo. Um, and it's about what? this. I don't know why it's got two different names. It's about this kind of small group of soldiers that are posted in um well they're near the Kajaki Dam in 2006 I think it's Afghanistan I've already forgotten what even country it is and they're basically going out to try and take out a militia group but they get stuck in a minefield and it's about them trying to get out of this minefield so basically most of the uh hour and 45 minute runtime is spent in the minefield dealing with wounded people and attempt to get out and although it's only in that one place for now 45 minutes it's like really gripping also really disturbing uh and it's got some great acting uh for example mark stanley is in it who you may know as gren from game of thrones uh apart from that there's not really many people you'll know there's uh, malachi kirby who was in an episode of black mirror that uh, it was one about soldiers. It may have been the one with the like zombie people or whatever. I think it was that one he was in. Men but, against fire. Yes, that sounds right. Uh, but it's it's really good. Uh, it had a very small budget, which I will try to find. I swear I saw where it was. I. I'm sure I saw its budget. It got basically nothing at the box office, but it did... um, I think it was nominated for some BAFTAs and things like that. It's not not very diverse, which we talked about with the Oscar thing, but (laughs) it it is good. I mean, the soldiers say some dodgy things, but I'm going to assume that's because it's supposed to be a take on 2006 military men rather than the writer's actual beliefs so but yeah it is really good where can you find it netflix isn't that amazing it's on netflix it only has like eleven thousand imdb reviews but yeah it is 
now on Netflix, so you can watch that. I'm scrambling to try and find the budget, and I just can't see it anywhere. I don't know why. Its worldwide gross was 34000 so that gives you uh, something about that. But someone else recommends something while I try and find the budget. Uh, okay. So ever since we did the um, No Country for All Men episode, I've been watching a few more Coen Brother films. So nice. I rewatched The Big Lebowski. Or oh, I think we only watched half of it the first time we bowling. Um, and then I also saw Burn After Reading, which was all right. Uh, but oh, Burn After Reading is pretty fun. It's it's not as yeah. good as the others, but it is fun. But I'm going to recommend uh, one of the other ones I saw, which is Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Oh, which is that. one that we we would talk we talked briefly about on the No Country for Old Men episode. Unfortunately. I watched it at the start of the week, so I, I've forgotten it. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Not good. No. Have you no, actually no. forgotten it? Oh, okay. No. <laughs> Just because it's a Coen Brothers film. Yeah, we always forget those. So, uh, so basically, I think we mentioned how it's like a modern retelling of sorts of the Odyssey. Um. It's quite weird because like Homer is credited as the writer on the film. Ooh, uh, I can't say I'm too familiar with the Odyssey, so I can't say how accurate it is. But it's basically tells a story of three escaped convicts from like a depression-style uh, prison who are going after a um, some hidden treasure. Also. It, would seem at the start and well there's three of them but one of them's the clear protagonist that we follow and played by george clooney and the other two are just like really stupid side characters who are quite naive and just follow his lead no matter what he says um but they they basically encounter loads of weird things like they encounter some witches they encounter the kkk um come across all sorts of stuff uh but the end of the day it's pretty much just a telling of redemption and it's a look at the main character's reaction to all these circumstances and sort of how it changes him uh but i think it's definitely worth watching it's quite comedic as well. It's got a good soundtrack. And it's pretty different to some of the other Coen Brothers films. But I think in an underlying themes in a lot of them is sort of the main character getting them in, getting themselves into a situation that they can't handle and how they cope with that, which is maybe less prevalent in this than some of their other stuff, but it's definitely there. Cool. Nice. Did you find the budget yeah. yet, Tom? I didn't. I can't find it anywhere. I'm sorry. That's so sad. It's, it was It was small. That's all I can say. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, I guess unless anyone else has anything to say, we can sort of wrap it up here. So we didn't have any submissions for the submission spotlight this week. Uh, but if you ha have anything you'd like us to review on the podcast, uh, any form of creative entertainment or media, then uh, you can contact us via Instagram or Twitter or by the contact form on our website, which is entertainmentofexcellence.weebly.com. You can sign up to our newsletter there to get exclusive news and access to the recommendations master list with links to buy absolutely everything we've ever recommended, so that is cool. Um, and follow us on social media, and most of all, just leave us a review, let us know how we're doing, give us an email. Uh, we're still relatively new, so any kind of criticism, be that constructive or otherwise, is very helpful. So, um... There's a plane. <laughs> there is a plane.
the plane is gone. <laughs> um, so thank you for listening, and tune in next week for an episode which we don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. Alright, see ya. Alright, see ya.